Welcome to Secure Podcast, where I have curated a safe space for community building, self-exploration, and multidimensional evolution. We go through life learning how not to make the same mistakes again, how to feel better, be better, and oftentimes we look to celebrities and influencers for leadership. All the while, there are people in our own communities that could offer us personal support and relatable connections. I'm here to bring out the gems in our networks and bring you to your safe space. I invite you to hang out and connect. This is Breaking Case of Postpartum a series all about the many experiences we go through during postpartum. Today we are sharing space with Laura from Senora Calzones as we discuss postpartum sex, the change in sexual appetite, our partner's roles in it, and our roles in our new sexual focus and practices. I guess this would be a perfect place to talk about, you know, how you created Senora Calzones because I feel like I've, I've, heard some of your lives that you have done and on Instagram live and it sounds like the epitome of Senora Calzones which is your new brand is around sexuality and being comfortable in your body in your skin um so how did this your experience with sexuality sensuality postpartum lead you to Senora Calzones yeah I um so as you know, from my previous brand, Agave Salt, like I have always been focused on the importance of empowering uh, women, specifically women of color, Latinas, um, to embrace their sensual, sexual, feminine energy um, because there's so much power within it. And I feel like it can fuel other areas of our lives, right? When we feed that part of ourselves um and to neglect it is to deny that part of us that's human and i realized um postpartum that i was beginning to deny that part of myself because i was so focused on my baby on my partner on you know surviving covid you know like all the different things that were happening at that time and um so i decided i made the decision you know like in this journey of of not only birthing my child, but also rebirthing myself in a way um, that I wanted to just go straight to the source and straight to the topic of of sexuality and sensuality and focus on lingerie and loungewear. Um, Because especially as postpartum moms, like what are we in the most? Our calzones and you know, (laughs) that's what we're in most of the time. And so um, it just seemed like it was like calling me to be able to to create this brand focused on that part of me that I felt like had been put aside postpartum and to hopefully inspire other mujeres, especially moms, to continue to nurture that part of themselves um, postpartum and after having babies and on for the rest of your life, right? And so um, that was where the idea of Senora Calzones came from. It honestly had been kind of like a, uh, a thought in the back of my mind for a while. Um, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, um, talking about passing down things on a cellular level, but my maternal grandmother, she used to work in the factories um, making lingerie. So she was in there making corsets and calzones for a while. And she's actually one of the people who influenced me as far as um, sewing and, and design and, and making things and 
Um, so it's, it's kind of an homage also to her. And then also I found out on my father's side, um, one of my, one of my distant grandmother's sisters, distant relative first came to the U S and was selling calzones. So like she would go to Mexico, go to the factories, buy the calzones, cross the border, come over here and sell the calzones here. So she became known as Senora Calzones. And so it's kind of <laughs> to those both sides of my family. And then also, you know, this experience of myself that I had postpartum of, of reconnecting with my sexuality and sensuality. That's incredible. I love that. <laughs> I love that. There's no denying that there's, <laughs> there's cellular level going on. There's a lot of activity there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, uh, it's been great. I've had so much positive response. Um, obviously, like my previous audience liked it, but it's it's so cool to get random messages from other moms, especially postpartum moms who like come across my page and and see moms dressed in lingerie mm -hmm. and you know talk about how they love the images of real bodies they specifically love that I feature moms in my stuff um and so that's the intention is just um normalizing it because obviously as you know like in our culture it's not normalized especially for maternal that maternal figure to be portrayed in that way yeah and so I want um, future generations to not forget about that part of themselves because it's important in terms of empowering ourselves and fueling, you know, our confidence, our desires in other areas of our life. I like, I can be like very honest with you and say that, you know, as far as like, like breasts specifically, like I used to be super into that, you know, as far as like during sex and like ever since I started breastfeeding it's become like a complete like just like gone like just the thought of it is not even like pleasurable to me anymore so <clears throat> I'm like <clears throat> to be quite honest like and I don't know like Jose hasn't gravitated towards them like since we started breastfeeding so um we meaning me and Yaddy not me and Jose <laughs> just clarify that but like I am like hopeful that, you know, once I do finally say like goodbye to the breastfeeding journey that, you know, we can revisit that again. Um, and if not, not, you know, but like, I would say like in the beginning, like that whole feeling of overstimulation, not just with my breast, but with my body in general, like I have to like really be gentle with myself and like remove any and all expectations. Um, Cause you know, I, I realized pretty soon on that, like, it wasn't so much Jose's expectations or my partner's expectations. It was more my own expectations that were getting in my way. Um, you know, from being able to connect fully with him in those, in those intimate moments, um, you know, the thing like thinking that things should be the way that they were, you know, um, and uh and realizing that no, that like this is a season, right? Like right now the season is it's not boob focused it's not breast focused when we have sex it's gonna be something else you know so <clears throat> being okay with that and communicating with him to help affirm that it's okay you know like I know that it's okay and I know that whatever I say is okay but like the power of words right like hearing your partner communicate that to you and like affirm that what you want or what you're feeling um is okay um that that 
that's like been super powerful for me is like opening up that gate for communication um, when it comes to like our sexual our sex life together. I also will feel like when when we go to sleep, when Luis and I go to sleep and Luke is not in the bed with us, we can actually cuddle. And the cuddling has taken getting used to again. Um, oh, yeah. so he'll go to cuddle me or like spoon me. And he'll have like one hand in my pajama bottoms and then the other hand like wrapped around me. And in the beginning, I, I it was hard for me to tolerate him even just touching me because I felt like, oh, get off of me. Like all day this kid has been pulling on me and and touching me and wanting to like all this stuff. And then at the end, I just want to sleep. Um, But I had to slowly like work through that because also like communicating with him why I was feeling that way because then he would tell me that he felt like I just didn't want to have sex with him or I miss he would communicate like I miss how our sex life used to be and I would and that's how we started talking I say well me too you know it's not that I don't want to with you it's just I don't want to period and it has nothing to do with you it's more about how overstimulated I feel and how difficult it's been for me to reconnect with that part of me of like wanting to feel stimulation sexually or because I don't know if you've uh, if you've if you've heard of this but I saw a post that talked about like sexual types right Mm -hmm. there's people who instigate sexually and there's people who respond sexually so you Mm -hmm. might be with someone who's not an instigator they're a respond person so they require you to instigate with them um, or instigate them sexually um, for them to be in the mood, right? Because if you just say, hey, do you want to have sex? They're going to be like, no, I don't want to. And that's honestly, they don't want to. Um, but it doesn't mean that if you instigate, they won't, like you can't work towards that because they're just not, I guess it's not on the front end of their brain at that moment they're more of that's on the back burner and I thought that was really interesting because when Luis comes to me and wants to just like let's get this going it's hard for me um and but when he slowly is like slowly starts touching me or slowly has or has spent some time hugging me or has spent some time listening to me vent or whatever it is it's like a process and then he introduces the like, like the, hey, let's have sex. It's more appealing to me. And it feels like a, a closer to a yes than the usual and easy. No, I don't feel like it. I thought that was interesting. And, I, and I've been trying to work on being open to his invitations to sex because that's what they are. Right. And I was looking at them as like, geez, like all you think about is sex. And I had to change the perspective on that and say, okay, well, these are invitations. You're inviting me to engage in this with you. And I have to be aware of that so that I can change the way that I'm seeing you in that moment. So, because it would go from, you're so annoying. Like I don't shut, stop. And then it switched over to, okay, he's inviting me. He wants to connect with me. He wants to do this with me. Okay. And it, it it started working because I would start changing my thoughts about the sex, about the sex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. And, 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 and it's been, it's still a process 
for me of this getting, not, not even getting back right to where I used to be, but just getting into this new place of sexuality for who I am now. Yeah. Um, and it's so, because this not wanting to have sex was not the way I was before. Yeah. I, we were very hot and steamy and all the time, and you know, and now it's like complete opposite. So I know if, if it's mm -hmm. difficult for me to wrap my hand or, head around it, I can, I can be sure that he's like losing his shit. Like, who are you? Like, yeah. What um on the one of the other episodes, one of the girls says that her partner um will said something to the effect of I am not I don't like to tell you things because I'm not sure who what version of you I'm going to get. And I feel like that's so fair across the board when you're postpartum, right? Because you're yeah. so up and down, especially in sexuality. I feel like it's very fair to say that you don't know what version of or for him to say that he doesn't know what version of me he's gonna get that day yeah. you know <laughs> oh like you're saying it, like they're saying that to you like yeah like your partner says it to you so like because because Luisa said that to me like hey I have a hard time telling you things because I don't know how you're going to react like I don't know if it's going to be calm Jackie or if it's going to be emotionally distressed Jackie or if it's going to be like um I'm celibate Jackie or if it's going to be like, <laughs> freaky Jackie you know like <laughs> so I, I think that that has made it also harder for us to communicate about sex as well because of the the ebb and the flow of of my emotions on the subject as well yeah I think I I can honestly say that you know it wasn't till we got pregnant and we had Yadi that like I really realized how little I communicated around sex <laughs> just like in general you know not so much just about my wants and needs and you know what I like but just like in general just like about my body like I just realized how little I communicated verbally I guess about mm -hmm. about sex to my partner um or partners in general right like in the past like I just realized that the pattern there was like lack of verbal communication and more of like physical communication and so, you know, having um, this experience of having sex with a postpartum in your postpartum body, you know, it's um, it really opened up the opportunity for me to communicate verbally with Jose about what I like, what I don't like, how I feel, how I'm viewing things. And um, fortunately, you know, 95% of the time, the conversations were like well-received in terms of like him being open, you know, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> no matter what version he got of me, whether it was like the crying meltdown version, whether it was the put together calm version, whether it was the, Hey, I'm ready to have sex version. It didn't matter. Right. But like he was open to it. And, um, you know, part of that was being able to lay the foundation of like when we do talk about it and now it's actually implemented in all of our conversations but like I learned this from a therapist in the past of like setting the stage of like hey are you open to feedback are you open to receiving right now you know like just using phrases like that so that that way it sets the stage for like I don't know I can't 100% guarantee what's going to come out of my mouth you're going to like but are you in a place where like you can be open to it 
you know, um, and him with me too, like him using that phrase, that framework, right. With me too, has really become invaluable because now we not only use it with conversations around the sensitive topic of sex, but we use it around conversations relating to finances, related to Yaddy, related to all these things. And I guess that's where I realized the the pattern was for me with that lack of verbal communication surrounding sex and surrounding intimacy. Like I realized how little I really knew how to communicate with my partner effectively in other areas of my life too, or in other areas of our life that we were creating and planning together. So yeah, I mean, I guess going back to like your, your comment about like the overstimulation, right? Like it's, I feel like that's such a hard, that's such a hard hurdle to get over or to like cope with, because like you said, you have like this completely dependent human being on you 24 seven. It's like, you have this partner who like helped you create this beautiful life you guys are sharing together and you want to be able to show them physically how you feel like the want is still there. But like you said, it's like the ability to mentally get in that space is really challenging. Did you like what supported you or what is supporting you with like breaking past that feeling? And I was yeah. say, that definitely helps when you're feeling like you not you're not interested in sex. It helps to to implement things like that. Like, can we talk about sex, you know, and then communicate about it? Um, because I think that it stops being a dirty little secret or like this internal negative voice that you feel like oh you're so terrible for not wanting this but when you open up and you ask your partner to hold space for you like hey can we talk about this like this is how I'm feeling I'm not sure because that helped us too like talking about it um and him being able to bring it up or him being able to hear me out because there was mo there was times where we would have sex and then afterwards he's he would make a comment like that was for me wasn't it and I'd sit there and I go yeah that was for you and he's like, <laughs> and he would say something like that's this. like brutally honest. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then we, I'm, I'm grateful that we, we've gotten to a place because I think since we started our relationship before Luke, we, we've always communicated around sex. We were all always very vocal about like what we liked and what we didn't like. So that it helped once we had Luke and I was going through what I was going through that we already had somewhat of a foundation for that. Um, now it was just more about, you know, being aware of each other's feelings and, um, capacity to hold space when, when we're not sleeping enough, when we're not eating enough, when we're stressed, when we're annoyed, you know, like when yeah. there's so many times that we were just at our limits and we didn't know that we were at our limits because we weren't communicating that because it does translate into your sex when whatever's going on outside. So whatever you feel when you're having sex, it's re it's reflecting what's going on outside of the bedroom. In that sense, it's been good. And also, I think that that he's been able to kind of be more aware of how I'm feeling based on my sex appetite as well. So if I'm open and saying yes to sex more often or initiating, then that's reflecting where my mental health has been and throughout those days or weeks or whatever. And when there's complete like radio silence and he knows, okay, something's going on that you're super stressed out because you're not even wanting me to touch you. 
So it's helped to have conversation because then we've been able to have moments where he just understands. And later he'll tell me, oh, well, I had a feeling you were, you were upset or blah, 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 because of Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, you don't, you don't want to have sex or you haven't really been open to it. So for us, the communication has helped a lot. It helped that we had that foundation of being honest about sex and open about that before because it carried over really nicely. But also being able to give each other um, like what we need, right? So like when he said, that was for me, right? Like, yeah, I do. There's days where I feel like, geez, I've really been disconnected from him. And I know that Mm -hmm. I don't feel like having sex with him. But I feel like this is a way that he really needs to feel a connection with me at this point. And I try to show up however I can in a way that I'm comfortable, in a way that, you know, it's not like, oh, I hate being here, but it's not fully for me. Like this time sex is not about me. It's about him and being okay with that, you know, and not making him feel uncomfortable about it because he would say he would make comments where it's like, well, it feels like you don't even want me to touch you, you know? So I had to be more aware of how I was, like my behavior, my my physical behavior during sex also, right? Because it's like, he's feeling a connection to me this way. And even though for me, I feel connection other ways, I'm trying to give him a respectful connection and the way that he's receiving that connection. So that when I ask him for my connection and the other way that I need connection, that he's able to do that as well. Mm -hmm. So that having sex or engaging in some sort of sexual activity with him for him has become something that I have detached, like um, the, the responsibility of having it be about me. I don't know if that makes sense. Like as, as I think that we talk a lot about, well, the girl needs to come first or the girl needs to be pleasured or if you didn't orgasm, then it wasn't and it. And I think I've been able to get away from that mentality and understand that if I can also have sex be a moment of intimacy for him where he feels like he was taken care of and he didn't have to worry about me. I, I feel like that's a way that I can show him love through one of his love languages, which is touch, right? So mm-hmm. physical affection, touch, and show him also like, I, I do love you. I do want to connect with you. And I want you to feel also wanted and loved and, and that your connection is, is accepted. Um, so this was all for you. And I think that we've been able to move away from, it feels like you don't want to have sex to that was for me. And I feel like the change in that vocabulary has been powerful for us. Because Mm -hmm. I don't feel like, oh, well, I didn't get anything out of that sex. I did. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't feel like, well, I feel like I forced you to have sex because he did it. I can do that for him. And it works for us. And Mm -hmm. then it also serves me as like a stepping stone to get to the next time that we have sex because there is no pressure, then that time maybe I feel more connected. Or maybe that time I feel like, hey, actually this time, yeah, I want you to spend some time on me. And then we're able to have a very, I guess, neutral conversation about that without it ever feeling like one of us is not being taken care of or whatever. So that that has has been, I think, very important because 
I think after you're, you're, when you're postpartum and you're not wanting to have sex, if your partner doesn't, if your partner's love language is touch, that can be very hard for them. If you're not touching them, you know, if you're not engaging in that with them. So having conversations like that helped us. Yeah. I think that's like a very, um, a very like insightful way of viewing it. Right. Because like, I think, like you said, a lot of women, especially because we're, I feel like we're in an age now, right? Like we're in an era of like where girl gets hers first. You know what I mean? Like it's very like women pleasure, like cent, like centric, like very focused, you know, as far as relationship. And that's like fine and dandy and great, right? Like, however, I think that like to your credit, you know, being able to also come from a place of service, you know, like and have that mentality just as you would make your man and be of service to make dinner. You know what I mean? Just like you would make, you would be of service in other ways, you know, and have it be this respectful form of showing love and affection. It doesn't have to be this resentment filled experience, you know, um, which perhaps in the past, like for past generations, it was right. Because they weren't in the era that we are in now. But now because we're coming from a place of power and we can self-recognize and like be able to give right in that way, I think that's important because I think sometimes like it's easy for us, right, to again come from this place of like self-righteousness of like, well, I don't feel like doing it, so we're not going to do it, you know, <laughs> and granted, like there needs to be respect for also like our personal needs like if you genuinely don't feel like doing it don't do it because then again it's going to come from a place of resentment but if it's coming from a place of service you know like I want to be able to provide and care for my partner in this way um then yeah you know I can definitely say like in the beginning for myself like like there were definitely moments like that more often than there are now of where like it was for the sake of it was like you said like for his benefit right like I was doing just I wouldn't say I was going through the motions, but I would say like, I wasn't a hundred percent like, yes, like let's get in bed and fuck, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I, but I was definitely eager to please, you know, and eager to, to show affection in that way. I just don't want to be involved in all of that. Like yeah. <laughs> in the dance. Yeah. You know what? Don't, I don't want to do that. Like, and then it's kind of nice, right? Because then it's like when you're able to like self-reflect and come from a place of, of service in that way, it takes the pressure off of you where it's like, oh my God, like I don't need to come. You know what I mean? Like I don't yeah. need to, like you said, like the pressure of that part of the sex experience is taken off because now the focus is completely on the partner. You know? I will say like, just because I, I have a history of you know, sexual trauma in the beginning, it definitely took a lot of self-reflection for me, like having sex postpartum and like wanting to come from a place of service, but also be true to my wants, desires, and needs too, you know, and finding what that balance looked like and identifying, being able to step back and identify where it's really coming from. You know what I mean? Like, um, like wanting to have sex and wanting to please my partner, but also making sure that it's not coming from a place of where um, I feel like I need to, of where I feel like if I don't do this, then he's going to leave me, like coming from a place of trauma. Like I really needed to make sure like, okay, this is coming from a place of service. Like I really want to please him and I want to make him happy. 
and I'm going to be happy about it after I walk away. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And if I'm not, yeah. yeah. And if I'm not, then being able to also open up that conversation after we've, we're done, or maybe in the middle, be able to stop, you know, and recognize, okay, this is not okay. I actually don't feel okay with this because I think, especially when you come from a place of, of trauma, it's easy to slip into that, into that cycle of like trying to keep your partner, trying to please them, trying to do things for them. And like, it's no longer coming from a healthy place. And I think for that, in order to be able to do that, you need a partner that is, um, that's patient, that is patient, that is open to listening and talking, um, and that loves and respects you and the experience that you're going through. Because I think that that can be very difficult if you don't have a partner, right? Mm -hmm. Postpartum who understands that you might just not want to have sex or you don't have a partner who understands that it's not like you don't have to have sex with Mm -hmm. and, you know, not, not weaponize sex. I feel like it's such a heinous form of abuse towards Mm -hmm. your partner that's already postpartum. And then you're weaponizing sex during a time that they're not able to cope with that. Mm -hmm. so I think that thank you for bringing that up because I think that hopefully that this this kind of conversation can also empower women who feel Mm -hmm. like they don't have a partner like that and empower them to be able to find support and also to be able to say no like you do the the power to say no and if that's something that is not being accepted lightly or, or if it's not it's okay like it's it's you it's your experience and you can both find a way right you and Jose found a way to make sex work with the new version of you and your new body and your new needs and he had to find a way to fit into that while you finished molding right while we're finished going through okay who am I now like the same for Luis like he has had to fit himself into my nose or my I think we have to stop or I don't like this position or that's uncomfortable or that hurts or I'm scared to do that which Mm -hmm. maybe in the past was my favorite and right now I'm like no I'm scared I I, I, and I don't feel like I don't feel safe doing that Mm -hmm. and those words had to be received with with patience right Mm -hmm. although the whole being eager to please and wanting to give sex even if it's not about me I feel like I'm able to do that safely because I have a partner who's been receptive to us getting to that point before this episode is over I want to remind you that your reviews matter please take some time to submit yours after this episode if you enjoyed secure podcasts make sure you subscribe and follow on instagram If ever there was like a time that I was running away or that I have been running away from the ghost of my mother or like from my mother's voice, it's been now, you know, and especially in regards to like my relationship with my partner postpartum. Um, And I say that because I also had to like realize during this whole postpartum sex experience that some of the thoughts 
and some of the pushback um, that I felt was actually not my own. It was actually my mother's and my mother's experience and what I was like experiencing as a child growing up. Right. And so what I mean by that specifically is like, you know, after, after I was born, after my mom and my dad, they separated, I think three years after I was born. And so like sex between them was like, never, it didn't happen. Um, My mom was not a, a sexual being after that she didn't date she didn't you know there was no sex as far as my mom goes like after that she became like as close to godly as she could so the desire was completely gone and so I had to realize too that like some of the pushback that I was creating in my head with postpartum sex was was hers was this resistance was this taboo of sex after having a baby was this um viewing it as um dirty or not something that a mother does you know um you're busy with your child you should be caring after your child and so being able to step back and like recognize okay whose thoughts are these are these my thoughts Mm -hmm. no they're not like this is not who i feel i am in my bones you know and it's actually my mom and like how am I able to cope with that or talk myself out of that and be able to step into who I really am, you know, and fully enjoy my body um, in this postpartum experience with my partner. Having thoughts that are actually our mothers is like part of that generational or intergenerational healing that falls on every consecutive generation, right? So these are thoughts that come up that are meant to either be faced, processed, or released, right? And this can happen multiple times, but during postpartum, I feel like we're really dealing with a lot of these that come back up. So I think that recognizing which thoughts are not ours and then being able to separate them from ours is so important in getting any type of clarity on who we are postpartum, you know? Mm -hmm. I think sexually, like any type of sexual um, conversations, I think if not most with mothers of like first generations or second generations here of the Latinas, um, we might not have had a whole lot of conversations about sex with our moms because they weren't given that power or that um, self-exploration or the permission to do that. So definitely, definitely, I agree with that because I had to do that too. I had not, not sexually. I don't think I had a, a lot of um, beliefs around sex from my mom, um, but in other areas of my life, I did have to say, okay, wait, this is not me. This, yeah. this programming that I'm feeling or this programming that I'm getting upset about, it's coming from my mom. Like that's what she believes. It's not me. Like red flags for me when I realized like whoa where the like what the fuck is happening was when um Jose was working a lot and like I just I was getting like these random like thoughts like just around our relationship like crazy thoughts that I like you know I'm not I've always been the type well like okay like the universe is showing me signs that this is done this is done you know but like, I'm telling you, there was like no signs. It was literally just coming out of thin air. Like, I would just think like, oh my God, like we haven't had sex in a while. Like random crazy thoughts. Like what if he's cheating on me? It could just go down the rabbit hole, you know? And then on the, on the other extreme, like within the same day or the same 48 hours, I'd also have a similar thought. Well, if he wants to go, then fuck him. 
fuck that. Fuck all of it. I'll take Yaddy and fucking leave. You know, like, and that was like my my clear sign. Okay, bitch, slow down, write this shit out and read it to yourself and see if it really makes sense. And I realized, wait, this is coming from my mom. Wait, this is what she experienced. Wait, like, this is not mine. I've never, like, there's nothing that leads me to think that this thought is true, you know? And for me, it was such a clear indicator. Okay, this is the handed down trauma that we talk about, right? So like, how can I work through this? How can I now in the future identify it and work through it, you know, so that it doesn't, so that I don't self-sabotage, you know, so that I release these thoughts. How do I release this trauma? You know, that shit sticks, sticks with us on a cellular level, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is though. It is cellular, right? What is it that when our moms were in our grandmother's stomach, they already had our cells in there. So we can even experience trauma from our grandmothers. Yeah. So yeah, it is cellular. Kind of moving in that, that same direction, like the physical aspect of sexuality also changes, right? And especially with, I mean, our body changes one, our vagina changes especially if you had like tears and stuff like that which also add to like to the change in your sexuality and sensuality you might not want to ride on top because it feels uncomfortable or you might not like that position because it feels like you're gonna hurt yourself and that can be very frustrating and it can be very difficult to rebuild or to build your new sense of sensuality or or identity sexually um, when you're not even comfortable enough to explore because of the physical, you know, aspect of it. Yeah, a thousand percent. I, um, you know, cause it's, it's crazy, right? Like our bodies have already gone through this marathon, gigantic physiological change. And then we're left with these reminders, these scars, be it mentally, be it physically on a physical level, like our body. And we also need to be of service to our baby. And then we want to be there for our partner. <laughs> So it all is just like this mountain of like pressure and I didn't necessarily tear, but I just felt very sensitive around anything down there. I felt like having birthed my child made me separate from my body. Like I couldn't get back in my body to save my life. And people who have experienced that feeling will know what I'm talking about. It's the most bizarre feeling. Um, But the best way I can try to describe it is like having sex and being touched. It's like, I didn't feel like I was being caressed or I, you know, like I, and obviously Jose was being gentle and all the amazing ways that he is, but I didn't feel like I was there present to enjoy it. Honestly, it was like, I had to relearn everything all over again about my body, like likes, dislikes. And so a lot of that for me, like my journey with that is and or has been or is just uh, self-pleasure so like going back to self-pleasure and um, not feeling the pressure of a partner being present I guess I realized was a big thing for me Um, and also removing the guilt for him not being present Um, feeling like I was doing something secretive or like you know for not including him and um just being able to have time to myself without the pressure of like the baby waking up or whatever, you know, to just be with myself and my body. And sometimes it's not even so much about reaching orgasm. 
through masturbation. Sometimes it's just literally being able to refamiliarize yourself with your body mm-hmm. and like feeling what that feels like and honoring those parts of yourself. You literally created another soul and it came out of this amazing part of your body. So how can I honor it again? You know, like how can I show it love again? Show that specific area like specific part of your body, your vagina, your vulva, your clitoris, all of it, like just showing it love and affection for all the amazing things that it does and continues to do, including giving us the feelings of pleasure, right? So it's for me, like that whole discomfort after having the baby with sex was just a matter of me relearning what I liked specifically and what felt good in this moment, right? And like, sometimes that would change. Like in the beginning, everything seemed like pretty familiar until I got hemorrhoids like TMI but I got hemorrhoids like a month after having the baby like out of nowhere my doula my my midwife all of them were like huh like normally like you only get hemorrhoids if you have them during pregnancy you know but after going to a a physical an amazing physical therapist um that specialized in women's health and women's pelvic health she told me that what was happening was my my pelvic floor was just staying in that trauma state, right? Like I wasn't, I had a hard time opening up during birth, um, giving birth. And then I had a hard time releasing after giving birth. So my body was just in this anxious tight state and it was not releasing to save its life. And that created so much pressure that I gave myself hemorrhoids. So what was, you know, the, the journey to help deal with that? Well, it was a lot of communication with Jose, you know, like telling him these things that I used to like do not feel good right now. Um, and then it was a lot of self-pleasure, like being able to release uh, again without the pressure of of pleasing my partner, without the pressure of me coming. Sometimes there's pressure around like performing too, right? Like I got to come because if otherwise he's not going to feel like he's a man because he didn't make me come. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah not feeling the pressure of that, you know? And then once I felt like I was able to do that, then I was including him in it, you know? And so then it was self-pleasure with him present, you know? And then eventually we got to this place where like, okay, now we can like have sex. It was a very like progressive journey filled with lots of communication and patience and understanding. If any place is going to show the trauma, right? It's like your body. And so we have to like work with our bodies at their pace to be able to heal and get and get through that that the the getting used to your body again I think it's it's so important because it dictates how you show up for the people around you too Mm -hmm. it's so important to have to have time to spend time and invest time in yourself and to love yourself and get uh acquainted with your new body and what it needs and the purpose that it served and how I love how you put it, how you can honor that body the same way as how you can honor your vagina. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's important to, to lend it time in your postpartum journey and what that can look like. Right. You know, are sleeping naked, um, air drying, you know, and, and getting comfortable with how you're, your boobs lay on your body, how your, you know, your lonjitas touch each other, like feeling comfortable with the way that your body feels on itself is so big. And it's very difficult, especially if your body looks very different. 
from before physically, which I feel like for me, that's exactly what I was going through. And being able to normalize my naked reflection when I walked by it was huge rather than only seeing my naked reflection when I got out of the shower. You know, it's like normalizing it to myself. So then when we had sex, I didn't feel like, oh, well, he never sees me naked. Like, oh, this is embarrassing. No, he saw me naked a lot. And that helped me. It helped me also during sex because I felt like I was comfortable with his gaze, with him looking at my body, with him wanting my body. I was comfortable with with him doing that because I would walk around naked. And maybe it didn't, I don't know if it did, I haven't asked him, maybe it didn't change anything for him and how he saw me, maybe it did, but for me, it was a game changer. I would definitely recommend that to anybody who's currently postpartum and and having issues with their self-image, with their body or their acceptance of their new body, um, to get used to what it looks like. Because I think it changes our perspectives from I need to change this body to look like what I want it to look like, which is fair if you're trying to work on your body. But I think that we need to start from a place of acceptance of where we're, we're starting from. And be okay with that body so that that journey is based in love and not in self-deprecation, you know? And it can be hard too, like when you have, because I had this, I don't know if you had this experience, but like, like that whole bounce back culture, right? Like of like, Mm -hmm. baby, like put on all the waist trainers and get back into shape and like be your same pre-baby weight, like within six months you know like people making comments about like the way not negative or, or not negative and sometimes not positive but like just comments is the best way I could say it and like I'm sure they're well-meaning comments you know from family from mothers from whoever it may be but being able to like kind of almost have tunnel vision and like like I I always get the visualization of like people saying things and then bouncing off of me you know whether it's good or bad but treating it all as neutral you Mm -hmm. know like that's a reflection of whatever they think about themselves that's a reflection of whatever they think should be happening right it's not an actuality the way that you feel about yourself I feel like that's something that that we get to to remind ourselves when we're coming from a vulnerable place like as as being postpartum that it's okay to like not listen. You don't have to pay attention to those comments. You know, I think that sometimes because of the source that they come from, you know, be it like family, moms, aunts, whoever, close friends, like we, we take them in when we don't really need to, Mm -hmm. you know, we get to honor our experience as it is without the influence of that. For, For you, did you feel like you had to accept yourself or how how was your experience with your body like how you saw your body in the mirror were you comfortable with that or did it take did you have to to take time to work on that or was I feel like I'm still working on it like I think that in the beginning I think if I I naively thought I was gonna have time to like do all the things like for self-care like work out and like go to yoga and like all the things that I used to do in my schedule right and that just flew out the window So like, for me, it was more like, like you said, like just accepting that this is the season that my body's in now and that's okay. You know, like I don't need to feel the pressure to be somewhere or to look a certain way at a certain point during my postpartum, you know, I feel like the pressure is there. Um, and we build it up in our minds that we need to like 
lose X amount of pounds, you know, like by a certain date or like look a certain way by the baby's first birthday, you know, because other people had that experience or, and like, we don't like, we get to just honor our journey as it is now. Did you feel, did you feel sexy at any time in your postpartum or is that something that you had to actively work on? I think in the beginning, because like, I obviously like sex sounded appealing, but it wasn't like I was feeling super sexy at the time, you know, but I wanted to please my partner. So like in the beginning, I feel like the two were separate. And then as I became more self-aware of what was happening um, with how I viewed my body and like these thoughts that were coming up about my body. um, And I realized that, you know, self-pleasure was helping me a lot. So then I focused more on the self-pleasure and on the inner work. And the more that I did that, the more I started to embrace my body and feel sexy again. Um, And sometimes I guess, and that also made me realize too, that like feeling sexy or being sexual has nothing to deal with my partner and what he says. It has everything to deal with me mm-hmm. and what I say to myself. And so I guess that's why in the beginning I did a lot of solo work as far as like pleasure and sex. Like I did a lot of masturbation. I did a lot of um, mirror work with myself. I did a lot of things that were like focused on me. Um, and then I was able to share it with him in a genuine way. Um, but I feel like I definitely would say that in the beginning, I felt this like imaginary pressure to like have sex with him right away and feel sexy in my body right away. And like, look a certain way, um, when in reality I didn't, you know? And so it took a lot of time and patience with myself to relearn what, feeling sexy felt like meant what does that mean to me you know um I also did a lot now that I think about it I also in the beginning was doing a lot more um, self-massage so not even so much like masturbation like pleasure in that way but like self-massage like just touching my body like being comfortable with touch um with myself and like touching all the parts of me that I was being hard about you know so like my stomach my my hips, my butt, you know, like my thighs, like all these areas that I was being hard with myself. I was like lovingly touching and like massaging and like saying positive affirmations. I've always been really big on affirmations Um, and like actively showing myself love. So that way I was able to like share it with my partner later on. I mean, there's some days where I would like more more lately but like where stress gets the best of me you know and like my mind just like runs wild with like things that I got to do as far as the baby with finances with small business with everything mm-hmm. you know <laughs> with not working out in a month you know so like all these things they mound up and then it's like I gotta also find time to feel sexy too you know <laughs> so yeah. it's like well well we want to get to the point where we don't have to find time to feel it we just right right? but that's that's where we're at because I I I have to find time to feel sexy I don't just feel sexy and I feel like that's that's something that has changed because I used to feel like I woke up like this right yeah yeah. that bitch like I woke up so cute And now I don't feel that way. Now I feel like, damn, I woke up, tore up today. Like, what is going on? 
like it, it it is and and that's okay I think that also being okay with not being there yet is a form yeah. of having grace with yourself like all right I'm just gonna I need a little bit more love right now I need a little bit more help a little more more time to feel sexy but I I think that I'm at at least for me I'm at a point where I feel sexy more often than I did earlier in my postpartum journey which is such such a win and you know we all have different things that we're struggling with um as a couple as a single mom you know or just as a mom in a relationship uh, it doesn't matter but we're all having struggles within sexuality sensuality and our body image right so and sometimes yeah I was gonna say and now that I'm seeing you because I've been watching your hands with your nails like I'm realizing I haven't had my nails done since the baby was born just because I'm terrified of like scratching her and stuff you know Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's like the simple reminders like the simple acts of like getting your nails done or like getting your eyebrows done or like getting hair you know like all these ways of self-maintenance that help us feel that sexiness that we used to feel maybe every day pre-baby but it they're like little reminders you know like or new ones right like new things that make us feel sexy because like those change too so so we can't expect our old things that made us feel sexy to make us feel sexy now Mm -hmm. and that's part of the journey too like figuring out like oh you know what this actually doesn't work for me anymore yeah yeah like nails don't work for me anymore but like crotchless panties do you know (laughs) (laughs) but yeah you're right that'll do it right crotchless (laughs) panties i mean (laughs) that is it right there that needs no introduction no explanation the investing in yourself with the lingerie is a huge thing that we can do for ourselves Um, even if it's not that even if you just have a really fancy soft pair of underwears or a we all have something that we like to wear to feel luxury or sexy or or sensual and i think that whatever that is for you like make sure that you bring it out and that you use it because it's a tool it's a tool for you just like the dildos or the vibrators i just got a brand new um one of those little flowers it's a oh my god the one with the tongue no no the suction one has like a little suction hole in the middle of the flower and then the flower vibrates itself and that concludes today's episode remember to leave a review to help secure podcasts reach more people and subscribe so you don't miss the next release i hope together we find community and ourselves every day but most of all i wish you happy evolving thank you so much again for inviting me to do this it's always so much fun i know thank you laura i love it is the baby still sleeping no, I just heard him launch the remote control. So, okay. <laughs> he's breaking things. So, I'm going to go check on him. Okay. All right. Take care. Have a great day, babe. I'll let you know when this goes up. Okay. Bye.